And as we gather uh, together around God's Word, uh, I invite you to open your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we are continuing in our series, How I Met the Father, and it's, uh, it's my turn today to share uh, my testimony of how I first met the Father. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to anchor us in Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 1 through, uh, excuse me, verses 9 through 11. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. And it reads, You, speaking to you, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing together. We give thanks, Lord God Almighty. Uh, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Lord, we invite your presence here into this space and this time. And I pray, O oh God, that you would move amongst us and that you would reveal your heart to us. Lord, I thank you for the stories of salvation represented in this room, the ways in which you have consistently pursued your people and that each of us either have or are being called into a deep relationship with you. So I pray, oh God, that you would be present with us in this space and time. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds we come to know and understand your word, but our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask that you would open our hands that we would, in response to your great love, offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was on one of these campus visits with one of my kids uh, not too long ago, uh, and I was struck by the way this admissions officer from this university presented this challenge. By the way, uh, if, if, I, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I have a, a freshman in college and a junior in high school, so it seems like campus visit trips is like just a part of like my, my, my worldview. This admissions officer stood before a room full of high schoolers and said, you need to stand out from the crowd. In your admissions essay, I need the icky, the nitty, the gritty, the crazy. I need to know your substance abuse issues. I need to know if you had near-death disease. I need to know about your surgeries. I need to know about your, uh, your, the, the chaos in your homes. If you've been beaten, I need to know the craziness from your life in order for you to stand out. And then we can hear how you face these challenges and can move on to great things in the world. And I was disgusted that this was how the admissions officer was, was naming 
the priority for high school students' admission. If your story isn't crazy enough, you won't stand out and you won't get in. That's what they were being told, seriously. And I'm like, so are you supposed to make something up if your story's just kind of vanilla? I mean, if your home is kind of good and you never like almost died or almost killed someone, you're just supposed to make it up? That's how you get into college? And so I was just like sitting there and I'm looking at my kid and I'm like, your parents are together. That's a problem. Maybe we should get a divorce just so we could add some drama to your life. To the best of my knowledge, you're not selling drugs yet. Do you want to start? I mean, it's crazy how you have to like reframe things. And that's exactly how I have felt about my testimony through most of my life. My testimony could seem somewhat vanilla, somewhat plain Jane, standard as it comes, and where is the drama? I would go to church camp as a kid, and I would hear the story, the story of the youth pastor who used to be on the street, uh, addicted to drugs, and uh, isolated and depressed, and then they found Jesus, and everything was better, and now they minister to students. And I was like, Well, I guess I can't ever minister to students because that's a crazy story. So I was ashamed, actually, I think, for a while of my testimony. And I didn't really uh, dig deeply or dive uh, fully into what God had done in my life uh, because uh, in that story, I felt like there wasn't enough to make me worthy of sharing it. And God is still working in me, uh, if I'm honest, um, to, to unearth the crazy of my own story and the crazy of God's story of salvation in my life and the way I met the Father. But it all begins with, I had a great family. Mom and dad three sisters. My dad was a pastor, and so I grew up in the church. I grew up in a church community where they just wrapped their arms of love around me and my sisters. I loved going to church, crazy enough. I didn't like that my mom would make me wear like dress-up clothes. That was a fight. But other than that fight, when I got there, I loved church. And felt at home in church. I love so, so, church so much that when my dad had a three-point charge, I went to all three churches voluntarily. Uh, I would ride with my dad, and, and he had to drive on these old shellfish roads, county roads in southeast Texas to get from one church to another. And he had a Mustang at that time, and he would fishtail around all of the shell roads in order to get from one church to another. And I didn't even go for the Mustang or the ride. I went for the church. I was raised to know, to have an understanding of the biblical story, to connect with God's word. And uh, I was uh, read scripture uh, whenever I uh, would be tucked in. And I always knew how important it was uh, to, to know Jesus and to have faith. 
And I, I know that I, I knew that somewhere in, in my head and had maybe sufficient head knowledge to what faith looked like, but I had very little spiritual conviction, if any, at all. And then my limited drama that seems so common for anyone that grew up Gen X-ish, I don't know what I actually am because I'm like right on the cusp of generational minutia, but uh, for any of us that grew up in that day and age, it seemed like my story was everybody else's story. My parents' marriage started falling apart. Uh, My mom and dad uh, were open enough, or maybe they had to be open enough because their fights were just loud enough for us to hear that they share with us the trauma and the challenges that they were facing at a child-sized level. I began counseling to try to grip uh, onto something that could be strong enough to hold me together in that season. And then, as all too many of my friends did, uh, my family moved because moving would solve the marriage problems, as it always does. So our family moved, and I had to restart friendships and restart relationships and restart crushes. By the way, there's a girl named Amanda Pizzatola that... uh, that, that I like left a long-term crush uh, in Houston when we moved to Wharton for, uh, if she's watching online. I'm married now, sorry, we missed it. Like, it just didn't work. Uh, and uh, as is all too predictable, moving did not manage to make my parents' marriage right. So my parents were divorced. Uh, I remember the day, I might have shared this a few times with you, uh, it was April Fool's Day. My parents called us into the living room and uh, told us that they were getting divorced. I thought that my dad was joking because it was April Fool's Day. It was not a joke. And my mom moved out. It seemed kind of reasonable, I guess, uh, because of my age, my parents said, well, you, you could pick which parent to live with because you're just old enough to have say in this process. So I had to pick a parent. And not only had I just recently been moved from one town to another, then I was split between two cities because my mom moved out of town and I lived with my dad and my world was chaos and upside down. And then just within a matter of a few months right after that, uh, my uncle died of AIDS and my grandfather died of a massive heart attack. And so I just was wrestling as a kid with what does all of this mean? What does it look like? I was faced with mortality for the first time, that death is upon us and By the way, I think that that's one of the reasons why so many of our kids are struggling in this day and age, because they had to come to understand that death was so real and present in the world through COVID. Like, have you you thought about that? Like, they had to think through, what does it mean that at any moment in time, one of my friends or loved ones could get COVID and they could die? And that's a loss of innocence at at a really 
young age. And so I think that that's part of the challenges that we're seeing amongst so many of our uh, students and children. And so there's a, there's a couple of uh, phrases, frames in this, uh, in this uh, scripture that kind of uh, were truths that I was confronted with after my parents' marriage uh, broke in two and after uh, my uncle and my grandfather died. It's this second half of verse 10 that says, your body is subject to death because of sin. Now, it's framed in a broader statement, so we have to kind of pull that out because that is just truth. It does it, it's, it's an independent statement of truth that we all are confronted with at some point in time, that your body is subject to death because of sin, that we will die and we will stay dead because we are not worthy in and of ourselves to enter into eternity and so this truth about death and the permanency of it was something that I wrestled with. And then there's another statement that just says that, there is, that your bodies are mortal. It's in verse 11. And mortality and death and the permanency of it were things that were, uh, that were so deeply uh, challenging for me to relate to. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't have a frame of reference or a depth of faith that would actually uh, give space to, to hold those things in tension. And yet, in this season of life, oddly enough, I deeply desired perfection. I don't know if any of you have uh, uh, like some tendencies towards obsessive obsessive compulsive behavior uh, in a, in seasons of life my desire for perfection my bent towards striving after holiness had an aim that that could quite easily be diagnosed as obsessive compulsive there's a whole story and testimony about that that I share with uh, with you whenever we go through our immerse weekend uh, uh, retreats and so I hope that at some point, I'll be able to share that with you, but that's a whole nother sermon and a whole nother testimony about the lies that Satan was speaking over me and those lies kind of perpetuating through my entire life and needing to understand what truth God has for me. But I wanted to follow God. But all I knew was legalism and law, rules, and I had no awareness of anything beyond those thoughts, nothing deeper that could invade the heart. And so in these three and a half years following my parents' divorce and the death of my uncle and grandfather, I became angry. But everybody was angry. That wasn't unique to me. I mean, we were, we were listening to Rage Against the Machine. We were listening to Wu-Tang Clan. Like, that was like, it was just anger was a part of the normal, everyday life that we were, like, living in. And so I didn't feel that there was anything kind of potent or unique in it. I was just angry and broken and isolated and living in despair 
and wondering where in the world do I have my place? And I was on the verge of taking like some serious wrong turns that would be worthy of a college essay in 2023. I almost started selling drugs. I almost uh, got into a crowd that was wielding weapons and violence. I almost got into a crowd that was that was uh, robbing folks and, uh, and, and companies. And I almost, 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 but never did and don't really know why. But there was a deep-seated pain in me. And so then in um, late in my high school years, uh, I went to uh, a camp. Well, that wasn't odd for me. I was a preacher's kid. We got signed up for camp whether we wanted to go or not. Uh, I wanted to go because there were some girls I was interested in, so we, we, we went to camp. And I remember uh, at worship in camp, uh, there was a unique experience that really absolutely changed my life forever. While I was worshiping, probably to some heinous 90s Christian music song. Um, it's gotten so much better, <laughs> praise the Lord. It's gotten so much better. Uh, during a time of worship, after a time of preaching, I don't know what the song was, and I don't know what the preacher said, but I do know what the Lord did in my life. As I was kneeling on the floor, Sitting uh, amongst my friends, all of a sudden, this sensation washed over me, and it began in the crown of my head and the back of my neck, and then it extended out to the palms of my hand, where there was, seems like the hairs stood up, and there was tingling in my hands, and eventually it fully invaded my body where I felt like there was something in me. Not of this world. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And I came to understand that what was taking place through spiritual wisdom. This wasn't something that I could explain in any intellectual way or, or any, uh, any scientific method. All I, could say, all I could say is that I knew that the, the spirit of the living God came in that moment to dwell inside of me. The spirit of the living God came to dwell inside me, and I was absolutely overwhelmed in wonder and awe that God, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, the God who sent his only son, would, would be so bold and audacious to find uh, within himself the desire to meet with me, this Angry, foolish, destructive, unworthy punk. God would desire to live in me. 
And all of a sudden, this, this thing that was all about uh, relationships, beautiful, all about knowledge, beautiful, was now real and transformative. I was broken open because God not only uh, was something you could learn about, but God was someone you could experience a relationship with. And I was just, just moved to weeping. And as a teenager, amongst a bunch of other teenage boys, crying in public was humiliating, and I didn't care. Because what was taking place in me was so much beyond, so much further beyond anything that, 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 that would concern me with what other folks were doing or saying or thinking. I moved from a place where I conceived of, of my life in in an attainment of perfection by my own strength or in a brokenness that was so deeply rooted that became an indwelling of anger to someone who understood that God was real and that God was for me and in me. This... This is a biblical truth that was lost on me for, oh, golly, long time. I'm ashamed to even try to gather um, some level of truth about how long I didn't understand this. So get this. This is a really common verse. You've heard it a lot. Okay, it's Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. It's what, it's what we're told uh, to do by Jesus um, this is in his resurrected form. Uh, there's another scene that's his ascension, but this is in his resurrected form. He says in, in Matthew uh, 28, beginning in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Have you ever asked yourself, what does that last part mean? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, didn't you like die and then you were resurrected? And like just a few days later after this, Jesus, didn't you ascend into heaven? And, and so like, you're not here, Jesus. Jesus, what do you mean that you will be with us always? Uh, you're not here. How does this make sense? It's because Jesus is actually here in the power and working of the Holy Spirit that is available and present for you and for me. That, that, not, only, uh, that not only is available, but is uh, wanting to be in relationship with you that wants to dwell inside of you. I mean, I, I want you to try to grasp how insane this is, okay? In, in the scripture we read, it says in verse 
uh, in verse 9, uh, the Spirit of God lives in you. And then uh, in verse 11, it says, if the Spirit uh, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Do, do you see what's happening here? The Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead, and that same Spirit lives in you? Let's process this out for a second. The Spirit of the living God was there at creation, hovering over the waters. And so this formless void, this nothingness, was created through the Spirit of God. And that Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God was there at the incarnation. When, when Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, God was made flesh to dwell among us through the Holy Spirit. And that same, that same Spirit that says God is with us is living in you. The Spirit of the living God was there at the crucifixion. When, when it says that and, uh, Jesus breathed his last and gave up his spirit, a better translation of those words gave up is actually Jesus left his spirit. His spirit is now here for you. And that same spirit that was left at the crucifixion now lives in you. Jesus was raised from the dead through the power of the Spirit, Paul writes in Romans 8. And that same power that can bring Jesus Christ back to life after three days, that can shake with the earthquake, the, the, the stone that it would be rolled away, his life, his physical body could be lifted from the dead so that he would walk amongst the, the, the earth for 40 more days. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same spirit that was there uh, at, at the ascension whenever Jesus says, and, and I will give you power through the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That this spirit of God that is powerful enough to bring testimony to the entire world that was there at the ascension lives in you. That 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 spirit that was there at Pentecost, you remember in Acts chapter 2, whenever the people are gathered and all of a sudden that, that fulfillment, the fulfillment of this desire for God to raise up witnesses through the Holy Spirit. Now that spirit anoints and baptizes the disciples so now that they're apostles so that they could speak a word of truth the entire world. That very spirit at Pentecost lives in you. I am still grappling with, trying to figure out, trying to understand how audacious this truth is. Paul writes about it. We are to, to be fixated on it. We are to experience it. And we are to be just struck in awe and wonder by it. The spirit of the living God lives in you. How did I meet the Father? 
I didn't meet the Father by reading this or knowing this, even though that was a part of my story. I didn't meet the Father by doing all the right things and achieving Christian perfection through my own strength, although I tried. I didn't meet the Father by going to church and being in Christian relationships, even though I did. I met the Father whenever the Spirit of the living God anointed me. And saw fit to dwell in me. And my eyes were opened. I was awakened to the truth that God is real. And he loves me. And he loves the world. And he deeply desires to be in intimate relationship with me. Just as he desires to be in that intimate relationship with you. I pray that each and every one of you would open your hearts, allow yourselves to be broken open so that God would be available to you through the power and working of the Holy Spirit and that each and every one of us might know that this transforming work of God is ready, is here, is now for you. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you uh, for the truth of your word, uh, for the gift that it is uh, to know that your spirit transforms our lives, that uh, while we were once dead, To sin, now we rise to life in you through the indwelling of your spirit, that your righteousness is available to us through the work of your spirit. Lord, I pray that that each and every one of us would be awakened to the story of salvation that is taking place in us through the work of the spirit through the work of your church, through the work of the saints, through the work of your son, so that we might be aware. Make us aware, O oh God, of the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Move amongst us. Move in us. Move through us, we pray. We're going to pray over Pastor Jason this morning. If you'll extend your hand in intercession. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jason. We thank you for appointing and anointing him to lead us. And this morning, we give you glory and thanks for that night years ago where you saw fit to dwell in Jason. Your Holy Spirit, the same spirit that formed the foundations of the heavens and the earth, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in this mortal body. And so we thank you, God, and we ask that your spirit will continue to flow through Jason, to grow him, to transform him by your power and your love. 
to whisper to him your words of love and affirmation, of kindness and correction, of gentleness, of faith, of trust, of joy. Lord, we ask that you would fill him all the more. We ask the one who can do abundantly more than we could ask or even imagine. We can't wait to see the evidence of your spirit. Make us more aware, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we continue in this time of offering, we pray over the gifts and the givers alike that you would multiply the gifts and show your favor that there might they might bear fruit in your kingdom. And we pray over the givers that you would bless them with the freedom that comes from giving things away. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.